Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. In today's episode, I have Suzanne Mon, one of my friends, on the podcast. Now, this amazing woman is so busy that the only way I could do this is by recording our phone call. So you'll hear it as just a little bit different than a normal interview, but I really hope you enjoy it. She's been through a lot. She has learned a lot. She has a lot to share. So welcome to today's podcast with Suzanne Mon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to podcast number four, The Personal Victories Post-Divorce. In this episode, I am super excited to interview one of my friends, Suzanne Mon, who is a divorce survivor. I don't really like saying divorce survivor. You guys know what I mean. We all survive. But she has done some amazing things and hasn't let this divorce stuff stand in her way. But also, she's super real. She is who she is. She knows what she stands for. And she has some sizable accomplishments we'll talk about as we get going. But she shares her heart, her story, everything on her blog it's Suzanne Jeanette at blogspot.com. So welcome to Suzanne. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, let's just get started right out from the beginning. So right after your divorce or maybe when it was, you know, just started or, you know, talking about it and things were progressing, what was your mindset So my mindset, as my divorce papers came in the mail, um, that's really the part that I honed in on, Um, I remember those feelings very well. I actually felt a lot of hope. Um, My husband leaving had been a traumatic experience, and it had been a six-month process to get divorced. And so Mm -hmm. having that all finalized, I felt like I was able to breathe. And Mm -hmm. Custody was set, child support was set, and I looked at it as kind of a new beginning where I could build whatever future I wanted for myself and my children. That's actually amazing because a lot of people experience, you know, the almost sick pit of the stomach, which I'm sure you did before that. Yes. Um, but it's cool that when you saw the the papers come in the mail and knowing that it was happening, that it was a start to a new beginning. So I think that's awesome. Um, Another question here. What can you look back on and say, yeah, that was a mistake type thing? (laughs) So this is one of my favorite questions. (laughs) I love getting this question because I feel like there were some really silly things that I did. Um, One of the first one being um, I was actually diagnosed with an anxiety disorder before my marriage ended, um, like a year before. I chose to go off my anxiety medication two months after my husband and I separated. Um, (laughs) Super weird decision. I decided that the medication was making me numb and I wanted to feel all of my feelings and just deal with it all and get it all out there. Mm. Um, It ended up making things a lot worse, (laughs) if you Mm -hmm. can imagine. Um, Going along with that, um, I set specific timelines for my healing. And I don't feel like I should have done that. Um, I tried so hard to just push through the hard parts and fight for healing, but I wasn't doing any of it in a healthy way. 
I was obsessive over what my body looks like and wanted to jump into a new relationship as soon as possible. Mm. I'm super glad that you actually mentioned the whole timeline thing. Um, I know a lot of people, and I have a client actually, that went to a support group and they were told, well, for that same experience, it took me two years to get over it. And then she went to another person who had the same experience and they said, actually, it takes five years to get over it. So it had been two years for her and she, I don't know, she just really went with what these people were saying and she had that timeline in her mind. Then the two years was up. Then someone else said, oh, no, it's five years. And so her mind went, oh, well, this is going to be long. And so, I don't know. I'm just glad that you mentioned that, um, that we shouldn't set a timeline, that actually when we do things in a healthy way, it can, it can happen really quick if, if it's a healthy way like you, you explained. But let's talk a little bit about support group issues. I believe that a support group can be good at the beginning, but I also believe it's got to be run well. It's got to be something that you're wanting to graduate from type deal. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what your support group experience was like because I know that you were in one. Okay. So I have the same belief. So I believe that a support group can be amazing. I also believe they should probably be well run by a therapist or maybe a church leader. Um, my experience with a support group after my divorce was a story I don't often open up about because, mm-hmm. quite honestly, it was equally as traumatic as my divorce, if not more so. Mm-hmm. Um, I found my support group when a friend suggested it, and it was an online community of women all hurting and trying to move past their spouse or ex-spouse's pornography addiction. And it, it really honed in on what I needed at that time, and I just latched on to these people. I became obsessed and I truly believed they were the only people that understood me and that I didn't really want to burden anyone else in my life with any of my divorce issues because now I had these people. So I kind of dove in. I volunteered to run local meetings in my home. Um, For a couple of them, I babysat their children when I was available and when they needed me. Um, everything seemed to run smoothly that lasted months, um, and it was all fine until one day when one of their children was hurt in my home, and I found out a few days later that the girl's mother blamed me and had spoken to many of the other women in our support group about me, and in almost an instant, I went from hundreds of supporters to me getting bullied online through social media, email, comments on my blog, and also through texting. I had to block many people. Um, I was called many awful things. There were threats of DCS coming to investigate me. More than one person decided my own children were not safe in my care and spread word that I was neglectful. Um, So I came away from that experience losing hundreds of support group friends. Mm -hmm. I had two that stayed two out of hundreds. Mm -hmm. And to say that that experience was awful is an understatement. But I talk about it or I'm choosing to tell you that because I strongly believe for people that that you're helping, um, I believe that support groups can be dangerous for women if they don't choose one with the right criteria. 
So Mm -hmm. a group of women hurting from similar trauma can absolutely be a recipe for disaster if there are not safeguards put in place for those women. And Mm -hmm. so when you have an online support group that, you know, isn't really, I guess it's trackable, but it's not being run by some, by, by like a main person, it can end up being really dangerous for people. And I also believe that support groups should be a phase of life. The one that I was in wasn't really a phase of life Mm -hmm. um, where I was working toward moving on and essentially graduating. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a key that I think was missing that I would recommend to anybody looking for a support group. Right. It's an interesting subject, the whole online support group. You know, it's a whole different dynamic. And especially, like you were saying, with post-divorce, the more that we tell the sob story, the more we feel victimized, the less healing, really. Mm -hmm. And so it it really depends on the type of uh, situation, the type of thing that you're suffering from, if they can help you. So I I am sorry that you had to go through that. That's terrible. But uh, I'm glad that you shared that with us. So I want to move to the subject of more of what your thinking was like. So those of us who've experienced divorce know already about the negative thinking, uh, the dismal kind, kind of the lows that happen, um, and how your future is all kind of in a whirlwind. So let's talk about the other side, the positive side of the thinking. So tell us an experience of when your thinking shifted from that negative kind of blurry to a new future where you felt like you were kind of transformed. Okay. So, yeah, specifically, I remember in 2015, so that was after moving on from the support group I had joined, I was really hit with the realization that I am in charge of my life and that I really needed to start making decisions for myself and my family instead of worrying what everyone else thought. I started to practice living more authentically, and my life often revolved around some Brene Brown quote I was going to hang up on my wall for the week. I love Um, her. I do, too. After a lot of thought and prayer, um, I ended up making a faith shift during this time, and it was honestly the first big decision I had made since divorce that was purely for myself. Um, I I spent a year and a half learning so much about myself and what I wanted out of life and settled on two huge realizations. Um, The first one was that I needed to go back to my faith. Mm. And the second one was that I needed to become a foster parent, which was something that I kind of fought back and forth with being single and thought, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. Right. Um, And so both of these decisions were questioned by many people in my life, including myself, but but very much questioned by other people. And that's something I've come to realize doesn't mean I'm making the wrong decision. It just means that not everyone is going to understand my decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I started the process of going back to church while simultaneously attending classes to get my foster care license. And my life began to transform into one that I am proud of now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So just in a nutshell, so really making decisions on your own for you for the time in your life now. 
I love that. So tell us more about where that led you uh, to what goals you were able to accomplish. Yes. So I went back to school a week after my husband left, um, or a week before, not after. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the entire time I've been a single mom, I've also been in school full time. When that reality hit me shortly after my husband left, I was terrified. Mm. I didn't fully believe in myself back then. Um, Mm -hmm. I started making these small goals for my schooling because I wasn't sure if I could get it done by myself. So I made small goals. I would focus on getting through one assignment or one class or one semester at a time. And I would kind of build as as I felt myself... um, as I felt more capable um, mm-hmm. of doing things. Um, in the beginning, I never looked at the bigger picture, and that helped me to reach my goal. I actually graduated with a bachelor's degree in 2017, which was huge for me as awesome. a single mom. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then another huge goal I had made that I mentioned above was um, a goal to become a foster parent. And that was a dream I had, but one I didn't think I could accomplish without a husband. Mm-hmm. So when a friend who worked for DCS told me that she often had children sleeping on her office floor because it was hard to find placements, I mentioned to her how foster care was something I had felt called to, but that I understood I'd need to be remarried first. And oh. she said, um, no, <laughs> you can do that as a single woman. Right. Um I had not. I just hadn't realized that. I hadn't thought about it before. Um, the thought of becoming a foster parent at that time seemed so crazy because of everything we had going on in our lives. In fact, um, as I was going through these classes and 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 kind of deciding that that was what I wanted to do, um, the agency that I was getting licensed with sat me down um, after my training was all done and said they were worried I was getting in over my head. But I knew. That was another decision I made for me. I knew I was supposed to be a foster parent and Uh that God had called me to do this. So even though it wasn't easy to fulfill 30 hours of classes or have my home ready for inspection any moment, it was something I knew I wanted in my life. And that's something huge for me. It's something, so I've really learned to listen to myself regarding my Uh goals Uh and to take the advice of my loved ones with a grain of salt (laughs) I've also learned that I can accomplish my goals right now if I want to, instead of waiting for some future where I might get remarried right. um, or might, you know, my life might look different later. Um, I have learned that I'm capable of being whole already and that I don't need a husband to accomplish any of the things I want to do in my life. Yes. I think you really nailed it right there. Right now. That's the phrase. That's the phrase that I live by and yes. tell all my clients. It's for anybody, single or married or whatever situation. We do not have to wait for, you know, the fill in the blank to be just so. And I just think, wow, becoming a foster parent, that is so amazing. And even when everything is in line, you know, even when you seemingly have, you know, the husband and the house and the this and the that or whatever we think we have to have, even with all of that fostering, that would be, you know, it just, re- <laughs> it requires a certain type of heart. And so yeah. I really, really respect you for that. I, I just Thank think you. that is amazing. So tell us, well, you know, you told us a little bit of the strategy as you were working on your bachelor's d- degree to do kind of the baby steps, the one thing at a time. 
the one class at a, at a time. So I want you to kind of tell us a little bit more about strategies that you've learned to accomplish your goals. So list any positive strategy that you use to rise above the crap, you know? Okay, yeah. So when I got divorced, I lost any self-esteem I had previously felt. And that in and of itself was just devastating for me because it was already hard to love myself and feel like I was worthy of love from others. Mm. Um, So one of the most positive things I've done in the past five years is take back a lot of that power and belief in myself. Um, I currently, I have a list of daily affirmations hanging on my whiteboard that I say out loud every morning, Mm -hmm. whether I feel silly about it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I make sure that I'm doing that. Um, I also have a list of daily tasks, including prayer and meditation and an actual bedtime (laughs) that I try really hard to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also learned that not getting everything done in a day does not mean that I'm failing. If I'm having a particularly hard day feeling like I'm failing, um, I have a friend that I reach out to, and she usually keeps me accountable. She's very good at that. Um, I have, like, kind of this safeguard group of people that I feel like um, I've found people that I trust and people Mm -hmm. that I can be accountable to, and that's really important for me um, because those people are there to remind me of all the good when my tunnel vision can only see the bad, mm-hmm. um, which happens often. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I really just truly believe positive friendships during and after divorce are vital um, because you you feel alone. So you often, you know, it's really hard. You struggle with loneliness. I think that most people, if not everybody, goes through that. And having people there that are available at least semi-often, having a group of people you can trust is really important to rising above and and help move past um, those dark days or those lonely feelings. Right. Like you said, it is vital. And it's people who know you, people who know your heart, those true Mm -hmm. friendships, the true, you know, family members that know you and love you and want to support you. Um, Like we were talking about before, the support group, you didn't know them and we don't right. know them going in. And so that's a little bit, you know, to be precautionary about, about those types of things. So we definitely need a support group group who knows us mm-hmm. so that we can feel that sense of connection and support. So, and you were talking about the self or the, the affirmations, you know, people mock those daily affirmations like Stuart, Stuart Smalley, on Saturday Night Live or whatever, but there really is something to them. When you hear yourself saying those things, it's like you're hypnotizing yourself. And even more so, and I tell my clients this, when your actions are doing the things you say to yourself, then your body witnesses yourself going through those motions, which is a learning experience that just sets everything in. Uh, So now let's talk a little bit more about strategies, but let's talk about practical strategies. So what works with your ex as far as communication, switching with the kids and things like that? Yeah, so my ex-husband and I um, currently have a pretty good relationship, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, There are obviously hiccups, and it's taken much of the past five years to learn how to co-parent, but I I feel like we're in a really 
good place currently. Um, uh-huh. We communicate through email, sometimes texting, and through a Google Calendar that we share. Um, I have everything on that Google Calendar color-coordinated. Um, and if I change something on it, I usually just shoot them a quick email and let them know that you know something's moved around. Um, we have a daughter who is a competitive dancer, and having a calendar that both of us can see and looking yeah. ahead to figure out any scheduling conflicts is is a must. We have I to have it. that. I love the color coordinated calendar. (laughs) It makes me very happy. (laughs) So also during school, I mean, we have a fairly easy schedule. Um, During the school year, switching the kids is pretty easy and it kind of seems non-existent because it happens before and after school. So Mm -hmm. the parent who has the children that day picks them up from school and drops them off to school the next day. Um, my ex-husband has every other weekend and also every Wednesday evening with our kids. So he picks the kids up from school every Wednesday afternoon and every Friday afternoon. And then during the summer, we continue the same schedule, but our paperwork states that whomever is picking the children up will do so from the other parent's house. So it keeps it pretty consistent, not only for him and I, but also our kids know what to expect. Um, and then the mm-hmm. last thing that... I guess it's it's just a strategy, just something that I've learned through co-parenting over the last five years is that I let a lot of things, a lot of the communication issues, things like that, just roll off my shoulders now. Yes. There are going to be miscommunications. That's something that I tell most people, even married friends. There are going to be miscommunications. Um you're raising tiny humans with another human that you don't even live with. Um, Both of your lives have shifted after divorce, and you probably have different viewpoints now if you didn't already. So I've tried really hard this year to take the emotions out of my co-parenting relationship. Yes. Um, Obviously, that doesn't always work. I'm really good at it sometimes. Other times I fail miserably. But it's something I'm working on because I believe that is what's best for our relationship, and I believe it's what's best for our children. Exactly. I mean, you have to kind of suck it up for the kids, no yes. matter what. Um, I love the color-coded calendar. I love the simplicity and making things as clear. Like you said, you guys don't live together anymore. You have different viewpoints. Things have to be just clear, but we also have to don't sweat the small stuff let mm-hmm. things roll off, off your shoulders that don't work out. You know, we have to be workable in that way. So in, in my coaching, I teach how to transform your relationship with your ex into that of one in a workforce relationship. Yes, so I, think, I love that. Yeah, I think I think that's key. And, and not letting that small stuff get to you, it, it really gets to many. So we got to let it shake it off, you know. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing just a piece of your story. Um, I love what you've been able to accomplish. I love your life. I I get to watch her and her family on Facebook, and I I just love it. And so I really appreciate you coming on um, and sharing a little bit with our listeners just some of the, the valued pieces of life experience that we all need to – listen and learn by you know so i know i've really been inspired by your accomplishments and i hope others will be further inspired 
So thank you, Suzanne. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate this. Okay, you are welcome. And goodbye to you and goodbye, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe. And as always, make it a great one. Bye.